great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Welcome back into Shout at Buffalo Bills Football Podcast. Week off last week, we are getting things charged back up here on a Monday, one week out from the start of the NFL Scouting Combine. Ryan is on vacation in Arizona. He will be back here on Wednesday. Uh, but for now, I had to go to the bullpen, bring in, uh, bring in the guy that throws gas, 365, uh, Sal Mayorana, the Rochester DNC. Uh, he's been covering the Bills for uh, quite a number of years. Knows a, knows a thing or two. How are you, buddy? I am good. You wait, you went on vacation? You didn't do a podcast? I can't believe it. <laughs> so Ryan's on. Yes, I kind of was off last week, and we didn't do a podcast. And uh, it felt uncomfortable the whole time. And I know that you uh, are probably surprised about that. But it's actually going to be – I'm sandwiching the Combine – between two weeks where we're going to have pods this week and next week, obviously, with uh, the Combine. Then I'm going to Disney World from Indianapolis. So there's going to be another yeah. week with no pods. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I don't know how America is going to survive, man. <laughs> it's good, I'm not good sure question. how you're going to survive Disney, to be quite honest with you. Having it, done that many, many years ago with my kids. It's going to be a challenge. Um, but my wife is super planner. So she has our itinerary all set up. I just got to show up, go on the rides with the kids. You know, and we don't have super young kids like my daughter's going to be six. My son's nine. So they're they're in that age where, you know, when they get tired, there might be some challenges. But for the most part, they're in their happy place. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm fingers crossed. Cool. All right. So I, I wanted to get us together and kind of, you know, set the stage here for the next couple of weeks, because the best place to start, I feel like before free agency already even starts is to figure out what the bills have on their roster already. So 53 players rostered up. I sent you a list and I power ranked each position position group, excuse me, uh, in, in order of a couple of factors. So the first thing is of course, um, how good the position is. Uh, the second part of it is, um, how good are the players they have coming back at the position? That's the first part. The second part is how set are the bills at the position, depending or uh, looking ahead to free agency and obviously the draft. And we're going to go through these one by one. And I, and I brought you on. This is a perfect uh, segment for you because you can tell me why I'm wrong in a bunch of different ways and poke holes in all of this uh, with this list. But obviously I start with the number one power ranked position, and that is quarterback. Obviously Josh Allen is under contract and they're set there. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best in the, in the NFL, so they're fine. The backup quarterback is going to be interesting. They do have Shane Bouchelle, who, you know, we really don't know much about at all. Um, has he even played in the NFL? Has he ever, ever, ever had a snap in the NFL? I'm not even sure. I know he's been a practice squad guy. So if they decide to just stay with him and not spend money like they did on Kyle Allen or whoever else they're going to possibly bring in, that's a way to save money. And I guess they are fortunate, too, that they, they have a, a tank and Josh Allen is the quarterback. He never gets hurt. So maybe it's not a big, big concern. So maybe it's Shane Bouchelle and 
quite frankly, Mac, I don't, I don't really care because if Allen ever got hurt, it's kind of a done situation anyways. Right. And I think like the, the problem that you get into, depending on how much you want to spend, the bills aren't going to have any money. They're going to have to do all this work just to get cap compliant, you know, estimations around 50 million um, over the salary cap limit when that uh, ends up getting set here. Um, if you, if you spend, I don't think that the most valuable position to spend at is backup quarterback. And I know a lot of noise has been made about potentially a reunion with Mitch Trubisky, who had that really good season with them as a backup. Um, and, and he kind of fits from, uh, I don't know, like a structure perspective, like what he can do to a degree, uh, emulating, uh, Josh Allen. But again, to your point, Josh Allen goes down. We've seen Mitch Trubisky in a spot with some talent around him in Pittsburgh. There's some good receivers, a good running back, a decent offensive line. He looked absolutely lost. And I don't think you're going to pony up. What is it? Five, six million, depending on what he's going to get uh, when you could spend that money elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, Trubisky is a complete mediocrity. You hope that he never has to play, obviously. I mean, that, that's why I, I think I might be on board with Shane Bouchelle as the, as the backup. If something were to happen to Allen, you know, there's always a market during the season where you could go find a veteran. Joe Flacco, for instance, just did this. So if I'm the Bills, I don't know that I'm worried too much about the backup QB position, given, like you said, the salary cap jail that they're in. I think they might just roll the dice with Bouchelle and, and not bother. I don't think Kyle Allen wants to come back. I think he wants an opportunity to play, uh, maybe compete somewhere and, and be a backup where he actually gets in. So I wouldn't spend too much money on this position. I would Kind of roll the dice because, like I said before, if Allen gets hurt, they're in a world of trouble, anyways. And I kind of like the model, like the situation the Patriots were in last year, except without a starting quarterback, was that they had a couple of guys they had drafted, or I think the one Malik Cunningham was in a UDFA. But you know, go get a couple of those kind of quarterbacks, young players that you can develop in your system uh, over the course of the off season, and then you have a young, athletic, potentially athletic player that you can plug in there. I, I don't think they have to. Uh, overspend at the position. All right. So this is where the real start of the exercise begins uh, because there's probably a number of, of positions that you could have gone to here. Um, tight end was one that I considered uh, as the best situation to be in because they have a starter in Dawson Knox, a guy that they've sp spent money on, but he's now basically the backup to the rookie that they took in the first round last year in Dalton Kincaid. But I ended up going with cornerback as the number two spot, because no matter how you look at this thing and we can discuss what, if this position room is going to look like this um, on the other side of free agency, because Travis white is obviously a hot topic, but you have two guys that started the majority of the games last year for the bills and Rasul Douglas and Christian Benford. You have arguably the greatest nickel cornerback in the NFL right now in Taron Johnson under contract. I think he's a, an extension candidate. And then you have obviously Trey white, a former all pro that could be, uh, you know, here next year, they could choose to move on. We can get into that. And then the Kyrie Elam wild card, uh, John Butler out. They're going in a different direction at that position coach. Those two uh, didn't really get along. So I'm not closing the door on, on Kyrie Elam. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on going cornerback two and then tight end number three? Yeah, I mean, this is tricky. Cornerback is going to be a really interesting thing to watch this offseason. You know, I, I've been fully on board with the Tredavious White cut. <laughs> You know, and, and move on, save save the money. I just don't think – I mean, he is still going to be a, a pretty good cornerback, I think, when he comes back. I just don't know that he's going to be at the level that he's been at previously when he signed that massive contract. That's a big concern, and with the money that they are over the cap right now, that's an obvious place they could make, you know, make some 
bring some money back in. Maybe they can rework his deal. I don't know if he'd be amenable to that, but he's a real wild card for them. And, and my concern, I think Russell Douglas is terrific, but my concern is Christian Benford can't stay on the field, Matt. I mean, <laughs> the kid is a really good player, but his first two seasons, he has had multiple injuries that have forced him to miss, you know, several games. I'm a little bit concerned about him and his durability throughout the whole season. Dane Jackson, we don't know if they're going to bring him back. He's a free agent. He probably could get a decent deal somewhere else. So I think they've got a little bit of trouble there. You're right about Darren Johnson, terrific player. I'll, I'll push back on best in the league. I think Trent McDuffie's the best nickel cornerback in the league, bar none. But Darren Johnson's pretty good. He was the second team All Pro, so they're fine there. The other guys, Elam, I don't know. I mean, we'll see if the whole John Butler drama was the reason why Elam couldn't get on the field. I sort of doubt that. I mean, I got to believe that if the kid was really playing well in practice, that Sean McDermott would have used him. But we'll see. I hope that kid comes through because that's two wasted years of a first-round draft pick. And now that they might have a hole if Trey White is gone, Elam's got to step up and fill that, and, and along with Benford, make it a real competition this time. You know, Tredavious White, to me, is such an interesting situation. I, I, I think bringing up the fact that if he's amenable to maybe reworking that contract, maybe bringing some of the numbers down, that, that could be interesting. But just from a player perspective, like we're, we're so far removed from his all-pro season, which I believe was 2019. Yeah. I thought he had a bit of a drop-off in 2020 before the injury, uh, you know, uh, that started this whole kind of downward spiral that he's been on, but you know, they're moving in a, in, in a younger direction at that position anyway. And I think that sure, you're going to probably lose Micah Hyde, depending on what he decides to do. If he retires, you can get off of Jordan Poyer and we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I think that th there's a bit of a youth movement at the cornerback position. Um, I think waiting on Trey White, like Brandon Bean alluded to a couple of weeks ago, like, all right, we're going to get to the season. We're going to see how he's doing. I don't think that you have the luxury of that situation, seeing how the cap situation has played out. And to the point of this power ranking exercise, that's a position that's already pretty stocked with talent. And even a guy like Jamarcus Ingram that I didn't mention, since a UDFA rookie, he has been asked to step in and start and he, it's never looked too big for him i'm not arguing that he's some great cornerback by any stretch right. but he's somebody that as a depth guy he's valuable he could be your dane jackson if you lose dane jackson as that third or fourth guy look this whole thing hinges on trey trey white if the decision if they if they decide to bring trey white back and he's even close to the player that he's been in the past then they're set here i mean douglas and white are your starters you've got benford and elam terrific a backup duel, and they're going to be very good. But again, it all depends on what they do with Trey White. So we're going to have to wait and see what uh, you know what that decision is. So next at, at number three, I go tight end, and I, I think you could have made an argument to go offensive line here. They're going to return basically their entire starting offensive line that played almost every, I think every snap of the regular season and only missed one in the Pittsburgh Steelers game. Uh, they were really good across the offensive line. I thought Spencer Brown took a huge step forward uh, in year three. I think the guard spots are really solidified with McGovern and Torrance. And then you bring back Mitch Morris, most likely. Uh, I think he's still playing really good football. And then obviously Deion Dawkins. I went tight end though, because to me, that position is number one, completely taken off of the books in terms of we got to fill 
uh, a, a missing piece here. There, there's nothing that needs to be filled. You bring in a couple of UDFAs, you find your next Quentin Morris, and you're off to the races. You already have Reggie Gilliam under contract in the running backs room who can play tight end in a pinch. I think you're really set there. So I went three off or a tight end. And then I went four offensive line and listen, they have depth and they, they're going to have some decision on that offensive line too. a guy like Ryan Bates, who is this valuable backup player. You can probably move on from him, save some, some cap space as well. But again, you're losing a potential starter quality player that gives you valuable depth. David Edwards is out there as a free agent. I, I think if the, if the money's right, I, I try to bring him back too. Yeah, I mean, you made all good points there. If, if we're going to go tight end as the third, as the number three spot here, um, you're right. They're set. They've got two guys that can really play. I, I You know, the Dawson Knox contract, I think, is one that they're going to kind of rue here. I mean, Dalton Kincaid is so far and away, to me, the better player, especially with how they want to use the tight end in that slot role. So he's the number one guy. They're, you're paying a lot of money to Dawson Knox to play what's probably going to be a diminished role maybe for the rest of his contract. So, you know, I think he's fine for this year. He might be a guy they look into possibly moving on from when that becomes possible with that contract. But for right now, for 2024, yeah, that's as good as it gets at tight end. Q Morris, I don't know what they're going to do with him if they bring him back. Um, you know, and like you said, they could always go with Reggie Gilliam. They will bring they will bring some third-string guy in if it's not Morris. And a guy you mentioned just a second ago who is a free agent on the offensive line, David Edwards. I mean, he was essentially their third tight end. I think he played about 150 snaps in that in that third tight end role last year. Mm -hmm. If they bring him back, they could put him in as the blocking tight end on the obvious short yardage stuff. So, yeah, I think they're fine at, at tight end. I just, like I said, that Dawson Knox contract is going to look kind of ugly with Dalton Kincaid, who probably should be getting, what, 65% of the snaps next year? At least. I mean, I think we could live in a world where he's getting 80 to 90 and you're starting to build the offensive plan around him as a player. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends if they're going to go back to that two tight end stuff they tried early in the year. I would prefer not to. I think that they should go with, like I said, Dalton Kincaid as the primary tight end. You want to put him in the slot, fine. But, you know, I think Dawson Knox's role is going to be is going to be diminished next year for sure. And it's a shame because I think he's a I think he's a good player when he can stay healthy, he was on the, he was on the right track and they kind of threw a wrench into his career, man. When they, I don't, I don't think he was expecting the bills to take, you know, a tight end like Dalton Kincaid in the first round. I'm pretty sure he's a company man. He didn't say much about it, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't too thrilled about that. Well, I mean, why would you be? I mean, it's completely changed his role. And I, and I get the idea that like, you know, two tight ends can flourish in an offense. But when you're playing as much 11 personnel as they have over the last three or four seasons, and let's not forget, sometimes I think you forget this has been one of the elite offenses in the NFL. Sometimes if it's not broke, you don't really need to fix it. And like, I still think that maybe if, uh, and, and it might long-term benefit them that they didn't get a wide receiver in the draft last year, because this, this wide receiver crop is so good. And maybe uh, 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 an equal a, a player of equal talent drops to them late in the first round that they would have maybe had to trade up for last year. And I think they should be out of the trade up business, at least for the immediate future, this season and next season, unless you, you you're, you're looking at the wide receiver position. We're going to get into that in a little while. Say you like Malik neighbors or Rome Adunze. And you're like, all right, I'm going up to get this guy because I think he's a game changer. He's our next solidified number one ride receiver. The next answer when Stefan Diggs leaves, and can play that kind of complimentary role this year. And who knows, maybe even push 
Diggs in his last season, if this ends up being that uh, into that uh, complimentary role, whatever the case may be, um, if they trade up last year and get one of those wide receivers, I wonder if this offense doesn't take on a, a different complexion, especially one of these guys like Zay Flowers with the kind of speed and separation skills that he has to get open down the field. That's the part of it that was missing. Yeah, it would have been nice to have added a wide receiver last year. I mean, Kincaid was obviously a good pick for them. I think he's going to be fine. This year, you, you mentioned the draft. We're going to fly off on a tangent here, but um, he, I, I think he needs to stop coveting certain guys that require a trade-up. He's got, he's going to have 10 picks in this draft. Now, you know, the seventh, the sixth and seventh rounders, they're usually not all that productive, but those first through fifth rounds, he needs to keep those picks, stop giving picks away because he's got to nail this draft. He said it at the end of the season. He knows how important this draft is. You've got 10 picks. You've got to add youth and you've got to add, you know, relatively cheap players onto this roster. You're paying these contracts. They've got what, seven or eight guys that are over 10 million salary cap this year alone. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to start bringing in some young, controllable, cheap talent. And the way to do that is stop trading up to get certain guys and give away opportunities to pick players who can come in at the bottom of the payroll. So I think that's going to be important for them. I think the the path, and it's it might not be the same round, and again, we're off on a tangent here, but that's okay, uh, the Kyer Elam Christian Benford approach, where you get the guy in the first round. Again, I don't think you should trade up for that guy. I think you should try to sit and pick and see if you can get a get a guy in an area. I mean, we've seen guys over the last couple of years go in the second and third round. It, Tank Dell, uh, Amon St. Brown, guys that have been difference makers for their offense. Go get a, a, a guy early on day one or early day two, and then come back with it on day four. I mean, they, Gabe Davis was a fourth round pick. You know, you might be able to find a receiver later in the draft too. Now that you add two to the mix, you have Justin Shorter coming back next year, a fifth rounder last year. Now you at least have options and you, you might be left to make a hard decision, but they need to be in that position in um, August because they need to make sure that they can run out the best four wide receivers to start this season uh, to give Josh Allen the kind of weapons that he needs. Yeah, absolutely. They've got to add one in the draft. I'm not sure where it's going to happen. A lot of people are excited about a first round pick. Look, I think when you're picking where they put 28th, right? Yeah. You're picking that deep in the first round. I'm not sure there's going to be a big difference between what you could get at 28 and whatever their second pick is 50 something, whatever that's going to be to me. I mean, again, we're going off on a tangent. D tackle is <laughs> really got to be a play. And I'm sure I know we're going to get to that here. If I'm in the first round picking at 28, they got to find a D tackle because they have none. They at least have some receivers right now that they could get by with. You add one in the second round. That's what I would do. But again, I'm sure we're going to get to that in a little while here. Mm -hmm. uh, finishing touches here on offensive line, which I had them positioned at number four, Deion Dawkins, a potential, um, contract extension candidate this offseason you know Spencer Brown going into year four here you're gonna start talking about an extension for him a third round draft pick where do you stand on that because depending on your opinion for potential extensions for both of those guys would probably impact if you're not a fan of it maybe they need to be aggressive about drafting a tackle here yeah. in this draft you know, I saw some of that talk. Somebody actually said first round. That's crazy talk. I mean, there's no reason to spend a first round pick this year on an offensive tackle. You know, it, Matt, it, as far as Spencer Brown, you, you got to like the way he played last year. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we heard that all during training camp and OTAs last year about how this was going to be. He was going to be completely healthy 
in a normal routine for the offseason, which he really didn't have his first two years coming out of college and then his first rookie year. Um, he finally was going to have that opportunity, and he played well. There, there was no doubt he was one of the surprise players on that team last season. So do you go on and extend him? It probably wouldn't be a bad idea. I think what's going to come into play here is how much do they actually like Alec Anderson and Ryan DeMarc? You know, they talked about how those guys were really nice depth pieces. They liked how they were coming along. They kept them all year. You know, if you don't want to spend the money on Spencer Brown, you better hope that DeMarc or Anderson next year in 25 are going to be able to step in because I don't know that I want to use an offensive line pick early in the draft. And to me, those are the guys that usually hit are those early round picks. So Spencer Brown's going to be an interesting case coming up here. Whether they, and I know they like him. They, Bean loves him. Um, we know that McDermott is, you know, and, and Allen love him too. He could be a candidate for a contract extension. Um, but I think the first guy you got to do is Deion Dawkins. You got to make some, you got to open up some money on the salary cap and get him done first. Uh, Sal Mayorana Rana joining us from the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle. You can find all of his work over at their website. Uh, he is at Sal Mayorana, M-A-I-O-R-A-N-A on um, Twitter, X, whatever you're calling it these days. And, you know, you'll see him tweet a lot about the Buffalo Bills, but you also see him tweet a lot about the New York Yankees. <laughs> and you can uh, right now subscribe to his Yankees newsletter, which is, I mean, for something that you just do as a passion project, this is about as jam-packed uh, a, a, a website, a piece of content as you'll find on a team. If you're a Yankees fan, you know, head over to salmayorana.beehive. Uh, B-E-E-H-I-I-V dot com. Uh, and you can subscribe for free. It's awesome, Sal. It is a lot of work, Matt, but you're right. You said it's a passion project. The, the thing about me, it's now that I don't play golf anymore, thanks to my bad shoulder, this is my hobby. It's unfortunate, I guess, that writing is my hobby because it's also <laughs> my professional livelihood. I don't have any other hobbies. So th this Yankees newsletter is kind of my hobby. So I'm always, I'm always writing something. I put almost as much work into that as I do covering the bills. It's, it's crazy. And it is free because I really can't charge for it until I no longer have a job. So yeah, people are getting a lot of content for free there. That's awesome. And uh, it, it gets you locked and loaded. It's a, it's a fun, exciting season for the Yankees. We're actually, um, we're going to head up to one of the Toronto games. I'm going to take them up there because I, we went to a, a game in at uh, Yankee stadium last year and judge was out and my son was, just absolutely depressed about it. So I, I figure if we go in April, we got a really good shot at seeing him in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, they are the Yankees, man. So you got to be careful. I mean, it's like they're, they're like an MMA team. These guys get hurt so often. It's crazy. But uh, yeah, my, awesome. son, my son and I, uh, for Christmas, he gets me tickets every year. We just picked the game we're going to go to. And we're going to go to City Field when they play the Mets in June. Nice. I've never Somebody's been to City Field. So we're going to go see the Yankees Mets in, uh, in late June. So that'll be cool. Uh, City Field is, uh, I think, my favorite stadium. Uh, the nostalgic factor, Yankee Stadium, it's it's unbeatable. But if you're talking about like, you know, watching the game, like the uh, concessions, the food, all all the experience at City, the the ease of getting into the stadium, you're gonna have a great time. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it's great, so I'm looking forward to that. All right, let's get to number five. Uh, we're gonna start flying through these here as we get into some of the more concerning positions. I think. Five at linebacker probably would have been higher for me, but Terrell Bernard with Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano being kind of entrenched as your starters, Dorian Williams, a fun young player, even Balen Spector when he played kind of in the Christian Benford mold, 
really good stuff when he's out there, but he struggles to stay healthy. Uh, I think Williams has the chance to take a step in year two, and who knows, he might need to start at that outside linebacker position because I don't, I don't foresee them bringing back Tyrell Dotson. I think he played too, too well. He's going to be out of their price range. But the reason I put him at five is because there's a little bit of concern on my end of Matt Milano coming off of this injury, how long it takes him to get back to where he was before the injury. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was good news that he he told I think he told somebody late in the season that it wasn't the knee, it was a broken fibula, it wasn't nothing to do with the knee, which is probably a good thing. I mean, the bone <laughs> bone heals and and you you work back and you're okay. Knee injuries obviously are a little bit more tricky, so I think he'll be fine coming into this season. He has been injury prone for his entire career, but he's such a terrific player. And him and Bernard, I think that's as good a twosome as you've got, you know, maybe a top five twosome in the league for linebackers when they're both in there and healthy. So they're good there. And yeah, Dorian Williams is interesting. He was a, he was kind of crazy as a rookie all over the place, but hopefully he's going to learn this year that you can't be quite as wild card as he was. I think there's potential great athlete. So yeah. inspector. who knows? I mean, you know, for a seventh round pick to still be in the mix in year three, that says something. So yeah, they're fine at linebacker, I think. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Uh, Running back number six, James Cook, they have their starter. I was uh, impressed with him. And, I mean, there's an area of development still needed, obviously. I mean, just catching the football, putting the football on the ground a little bit in year one. You you look for him to kind of take a jump. But that was like – the most he's even touched a football in his in his like college or pro career. So I think there's an adjustment that needs to be made there. But as a runner and as a weapon, I think he's a really good player. It's the rest of that group that I think has you a little bit unsettled. You know, they have free agents that are hitting the market in um, Latavius Murray, Damian Harris, and then Ty Johnson, who I'd argue is the one guy that I think, you know, I'd put in the top three or four of potential free agents for the bills to get back. Cause I thought he made a good one, two punch with James cook. And I think Hines could be a cut candidate. What do you think about the running back position? Yeah. I mean, James cook, look, he had more touches last year than I think his entire college career. And I think even if you add his rookie season, it's pretty close. I mean, he had more, but that's five years of a little bit more touches than he had last year alone. I think it's pretty clear, Matt. He's a four-year player for them, right? Running back is just a position that you can continually turn over. They're going to run him as much as they can for four years. He'll be a free agent, and you bring the next guy in. So, you know, he's the number one guy. Keep giving him that workload and until he wears out, and you move on. You're right about Hines. There, to me, there's no reason 
to bring back Hines. That's five, I think it's $5 million that they would save on the cap. He's a running back. You can get these guys in so many different places. I think he's definitely a candidate to move on. And then behind him, who knows? You've got Darrington Evans up here. I know nothing about him. They will find guys to bring in who can compete for that backup spot. And the guy you mentioned, Ty Johnson, he'd be first on my list. I think that's a guy that fit really well into what they do with that position specifically. And if it's not going to cost too much, and he might get some offers, who knows? I think he's an easy decision to bring back if it makes sense from the money perspective, because I think he can be a good number two for them. At seven, uh, finally, we bring up wide receiver. And, it, and man, what a difference a season makes. Because if I think we did this exercise back at, at, in February before the combine last year, wide receiver might be second or third. I mean, you got, I mean, maybe, maybe not because of the question marks with Stefan Diggs, but you had your two starters on the outside and Diggs and Davis. Um, you had uh, a young uh, Khalil Shakir that I think was excited and people were, you know, high. I know that they didn't sign Deontay Hardy yet, or they didn't sign um, Trent Sherfield yet, but I mean, this group, even like say in June of last year, it, people were so much more high on this group than they are. I think sitting here today. So Diggs. Deontay Hardy still on the roster, but another cut candidate. We'll see what happens there. I'm kind of a mixed bag with that because I do think there's more um, meat on the bone, if you will, to what they what Hardy can be. And I don't know if they just didn't give him enough opportunities. We'll, we'll find out uh, as we move closer to free agency. Shakir, I think, is a great player. Uh, year three on a rookie contract. He was, I think, what was the stat? Like, he was... Uh, number one in the NFL on percentage of targets that went for either a first down or a touchdown last season. Super reliable. I think there's more room for him to grow too. The Hamler addition is really interesting. Former second round pick. They also have Andy Isabella, a former second round pick on their uh, sign him to a futures deal. And then shorter, I mentioned thoughts at wide receiver here and where they're positioned on this list. Yeah, it's interesting. The Shakir thing. I also think he was number one in the NFL in catch percentage. I mean, a certain like it was 50 targets or more, whatever whatever it was. He was I think it was like 87.5%. So that kid can play, and and I like the way they used him. I, I I also hope that they find a bigger role for him. I mean, I know that you know Kincaid's your primary slot guy, but there are ways to get both of those guys on the field. I think Shakir is a nice little weapon. He's almost like that you know that safety valve guy you know who Cole Beasley was for a while for for Allen. He runs that type of route. He can he can do nice things. So I like him a lot. You know, Diggs is going to be Diggs. He's going to be a good player for them. I, do I think he's in a little bit of a decline phase? Yeah, I, I think he is. He's but he's nothing more than a possession receiver now. He's still going to be very good, but when he gets up against good cornerbacks, and we saw it twice with Legereus Sneed, for instance, he's not the same player that he used to be, but he's still this team's number one. So that has to work in some way. Um, and then around him, you, to me, it's the second round, man. I think I, that's where you get your receiver in the second round of the draft, and you hope that that guy can step right in and be better than Gabe Davis was as the number two. Hamler, very interesting pick there. I mean, a buddy of mine's a Penn State fanatic alum, and he says that he thinks Hamler can play inside or out. Now, he seems more like a slot guy to me. He's a little bit undersized. But if he can move outside, you know, it's a second-round pick. He might be something. It might be a nice little under-the-radar signing. And then for Hardy, I would move on. I mean, I think that clearly it didn't work in Ken Dorsey's offense. He, he couldn't figure out a way to get that guy on the field in a, in a playmaking situation. 
I don't know what Bro or what Joe Brady will be able to do with the whole offseason, but I think Hardy's a pretty good candidate to be cut. And I think it's about four million, maybe something like that. I don't I don't yeah, know. It's a little over four million. It's like four point three million. Yeah, I, I just don't know if he's worth keeping, especially because you've got Shakir, who I think has kind of established himself as the third receiver. You've got to find a number two. So I'm not sure Shakir is the full time number two, but I don't think Hardy's the answer. And I think to your point, like maybe you your earlier point, uh, I think that you made, or maybe it was a different show. I don't know. I, I've been doing a lot this morning. Um, if you cut Hardy and say, listen, we like you as a player. Uh, we want to maybe find a role for you, but we can't bring you back at this number, knowing what the snaps that you played last year. You set him free. You let him go see what's out there. And if nothing's out there, maybe you bring him back on a vet minimum prove it deal. Maybe he liked being here. Maybe there's the, the option to, although I don't know if he did like being here because he yeah. was a pretty miserable guy. I, I get the sense he didn't be. like being here. I think he was right. pretty disappointed with how it went. Right. So then you probably move on. And listen, I think depending on what happens with Trent Sherfield, maybe he goes back to Miami. You know, maybe he goes to Arizona. Uh, maybe he wants to come back. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Necessarily think I'd bring him back, even if he wants to come back, only yeah. because I think the argument could be made to bring him back a little bit more because of the number you're going to get him at. And Gabe Davis is probably moving on and he fits more into that blocking role. But I think we saw this past year, like, how much do you need that blocking role? Like, this was a, a running game that even when Gabe Davis was out, I, I thought that was pretty solid. Um, and maybe that's just me being naive. And and, and from an X's and O pr perspective, it's necessary to have that player. But when that player's on the field, a potential weapon for Josh Allen isn't on the field. And that's always been my issue with it. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Sure, I, I expected more out of Sherfield. It just never happened. It was unfortunate. Um, and, you're, and you're right about the, the receive. They, you know, McDermott loves that wide receivers blocking and all that stuff. You know what, though? The thing is, James Cook really isn't a breakaway runner. It, it just doesn't seem like there's too often where he is in the clear in, in the open field and really needs that downfield blocking from receivers. The bulk of his runs are usually over within 10 yards. So you break the initial contain. The offensive line did a great job blocking last year and you get him through, but he's just not that guy who's going to end up breaking 20, 30, 40-yard runs where you need wide receivers blocking downfield. So I think it's a little bit overrated with a guy like him. I mean, back in the day, Barry Sanders, right? Barry Sanders needed receivers blocking downfield because he spent half the damn day running through the secondary, so he needed help downfield. I don't think James Cook is that guy. So I wouldn't get too worked up about losing Gabe Davis and Trent Sherfield as blocking receivers. I want guys who catch the damn ball, Matt. Enough of the blocking. Catch the ball, make plays. Number eight, I got the defensive line, uh, which is a huge concern. I mean, Von Miller being, uh, you know, the the version of Tredavious White uh, for this position group, a guy that obviously is a is a great player when healthy, uh, or was at least, and now yes. you're on the hook for twenty million this season. And there's way we've we've covered it on the podcast several different ways. There's there's potential outs here. They're very muddy they're very uh you know some of them are going to require that von miller kind of come to the table and, and maybe negotiate a, a few different things so i mean i'm going forward as if he's they're not going to do anything they're going to take their medicine keep him on the roster uh for the season with you know maybe something happens with the off the field situation that changes that but you got von miller greg Rousseau, who is probably trending towards an extension but again i think isn't a slam dunk uh extension candidate either Kingsley Jonathan, who I, I like a lot, but again, 
just probably a guy at this point, Cameron Klein, Ed Oliver, your stud in the middle, and then Ilianku. And you have two defensive tackles under contract. I think this is a very concerning position, and it's a position that they've thrown a lot of resources at over the last couple of years, and those resources has, haven't necessarily yielded great results. I thought this line was really good for three months, and then it just fell off a cliff. And Leonard Floyd, a guy that's probably going to make a lot of money, I don't know if I'm in on bringing him back because he kind of disappeared in the big moments. Yeah. And, and they basically ran Ed Oliver into the ground with his snap percentage, which was a, a total departure from how they did things his first four seasons. And I think he played well until he didn't have any gas left. So how do you view this position group, uh, both D-tackle and D-end, and what do they do here? Yeah, to me, man, I would have reversed this and put this number 10 dead last. I mean, I think this is a major concern. I mean, Von Miller... <laughs> you you look back hindsight being 2020 don't you wish when he was flying over remember he was waffling about he was flying to buffalo to say no man <laughs> sure wish he had stuck to that because they wouldn't be in this mess that they're in look he was a great player he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer but even when they signed him it just seemed a little bit nuts to me that they were going to give him that much money right. for a player that you knew we didn't know he's going to get hurt but you knew he wasn't going to be the same guy I don't know. The whole thing is kind of an unfortunate. It was one of one of those moves by Bean that I guess when it happened, you weren't going to kill him for it, but you kind of had a sense like, yeah, this is not going to look good in a couple of years. You think he panicked? Went to hell within 10 games when he got hurt. So they're stuck with him this year. They can't do anything about it. They can't take that dead cap. They have to hope that he can be with another offseason now, get healthier, go through training camp, and be at least close to what he was before he got hurt in Buffalo as a 33-year-old, whatever he was. If they can get that player, then they're going to be okay with bringing him back for the next year, and then you got to add to the mix. I mean, I don't know if, you know, I mean, well, I mean, you've got Rousseau. You've got Kingsley Jonathan in reserve. You're going to have to find someone. I think maybe you draft a guy. That's an expensive position. Leonard Floyd's going to cost too much. Epinesa, I'd love to have Epinesa back. He was just, to me, these last two years – you were finally getting the second round pick you thought you were getting in 2020. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to be out of their price range too because he had a pretty decent last two seasons. So they've got a situation there. Russo, you mentioned for an extension, I would wait. I mean, I'd give him the fifth year option. Obviously, that comes up in May. So you've got him for two more years after this, right? This is his third year. Yep. No, this would be his fourth. He just finished his third year. So, right. got so two this would be his fourth, and you still got him for next year. I, w- I would hold off on the extension for him. And then at D tackle, at Oliver. <laughs> I mean, Ileaku has been around here like a cockroach for three years. You can't get rid of the guy, but he hasn't really played much either. I don't know where he, I don't, I don't actually know how good he is. So, mm-hmm. as I said earlier, I think D tackle might be where they have to go in the first round. You've got to get a guy in to play with at Oliver. Daquan Jones, I don't know what you think of him. I, I think he's worth bringing back if the money's right. I'm just not sure the money's going to be right. I think the money will end up being a little bit closer to right. They might have to overpay a little bit, and they might have to give them like years that they might be uncomfortable with, like maybe guarantee the, the first two of a three-year deal, and that, that second year is kind of a big hit, and maybe the first year kind of comes in a little bit lower, kind of like, a, like the Connor McGovern deal. Uh, maybe with a, like a little bit more, but I think to your point, that's a guy that I want to reach for a little bit and maybe take that 
Trey White money or that Deontay Hardy money or that Naheem Hines money and throw it at Daquan Jones because he's a guy that a when when healthy was a difference maker for him for them he was he was really um you know I know that he, you know he was hurt late in the season both years and that might go into the evaluation but they also talked about you know Sean McDermott as a season end press conference said we got to take a look at why we were so injured this season on defense and see if we can't make any adjustments to that. Um, I want to back up. And so I, I think there, I think I would do everything I can to get Daquan Jones back because of the, the fact that you're going to have to draft probably two defensive tackles in this draft. And now that you have the unknown of, you know, we saw them draft two defensive ends with Rousseau and, and uh, Basham a couple of years ago, and they just were non-factors for, you know, Basham especially, but even Rousseau in his rookie season wasn't great. Like I thought that he had some moments, but it wasn't great. Mm -hmm. I thought, dropped, I, I thought he dropped yeah. off last year, too. He did. I mean, he, he had a really good start to the season. I think he got hurt, right? Yeah. I mean, Leonard Floyd was the same way. He kind of, he was, I think he had like, I think Leonard Floyd had one sack in the last like six games, maybe counting the postseason. Rousseau, Rousseau, to me, he was actually a better run defender than he was yeah. a pass rusher. He's really become a good run defender, a good edge setter. I think his pass rush needs some help. I don't think he's there to be a dominant, you know, 10, 12 sack guy yet. He's got some work to do. So, you know what? This draft, man, receiver in the second round, <laughs> they might need to take a bunch of defensive guys. They, they need safeties. They need tackles. They need defensive ends. And you might have to go, like you said, they might have to go two or three on the defensive line in this draft. I'm not sure if they even need too much on offense. It's going to be a big, big, big draft, and defensive line is going to be a prime, prime you know, area they have to upgrade. Yeah, I think like the you know without getting too much in the draft because we're going to do that a ton over the next couple of months. But like not with me though, Matt. That's true. Not with Sal Sal Mayorana. Um, <laughs> I, I think that to your um, the way you're thinking about this is, is really smart. And at 28, I think you can go in and say, all right, these are the guys. Like I have a group of three guys, and they're probably not going to be neighbors. Adunze and Harrison, right? They're going to go probably in the first 15 picks. Uh, and, and you'd probably have to give up too much to trade up to that range anyway. So then you're, you're, you're thinking about like that next, whatever that's going to look like. There's a couple of guys in that, in that um, next pocket. And you say, okay, if X and Y are here at 28, that's a receiver that we have a high enough first round grade at 28 to go to the podium and go get them fine. But if you don't have that, and to your point, Defensive tackle, I don't think you're necessarily getting value there at 28 either. I think you really try to trade back depending on how that quarterback situation is. There's like six quarterbacks that are, you know, depending on who you talk to, could have first-round grades. And if three or four of them go in the first 20 picks and now it's a pick-by-pick -pick watch, you might have a bunch of suitors that are willing to jump back at the end of the first round to get one of those quarterbacks. Get out of there. Add a couple more day, uh, maybe an extra day two and an extra day three pick. And now you can continue to kind of add bulk to your numbers because you're going to need to. I don't anticipate them being, you know, I, I keep looking at all these different ideas that I want to do for free agency like um, stories that I typically do going back to 2018. And I'm like, it's hard for me to get behind them because I, I don't know how much they're going to have, how much work they're going to be able to do, especially in that first week of free agency. Yeah, I, th I think the trade back scenario is a, is a great idea. When you're picking down there at 28, let's be honest, if you could, if you trade back to say 37, just throwing out a number, you're just, there's just not a lot of difference. Now, the only thing you lose is the potential for that fifth year option 
but you also are going to save money because every first round pick gets a certain amount, right? And you're going to stay out of that first round money in a year when, you know, they, they need every dollar they can possibly get on that salary cap. I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. I mean, unless there is a guy that he absolutely, you know, is in love with and you take right there and you don't want to, you don't want to risk not having him later in the second round. I'm all for that, man. As I said, right at the top, he needs to nail this draft and I don't think he can afford to be giving away picks to trade up. He needs to use all these picks, make sure they're good ones and get them on the roster because they need young, cheap talent. That's the only way that they're going to survive this year. Um, we're go- we're coming up on 45 here. So I want to kind of zoom through this a little bit more. Uh, we could probably do this all day. I mean, we'll, we'll link back up before the draft and do it again. Um, safety, you know, Jordan Poyer under contract, obviously one of the most interesting cap casualty candidates, uh, they could save, I think it's like $5 million if they were to move on from him. But now you're sitting there with Damar Hamlin and Kendall Williamson, a futures guy as the only other safeties locked up right now on the roster. This is a concerning position. Um, I don't think it's as important a position as defensive line. And that's why I dropped it down to number nine. Um, but, and I also think that Sean McDermott can find guys to plug in at, at, at safety and, and figure out a way to, to maximize their talents. He's done it with, I mean, he, Poyer and Hyde were the original versions of that. And there's been guys over the years that have had to play back there. You know, the Dean Marlowe's of the world, the Cam Lewis, they don't, they don't blow your hair back, but they're guys that can get kind of go in there and do the job if necessary. But in in terms of a concerning position with an aging guy in Poyer and then not much else available after him, safety is a concern. Yeah, it's a big concern. Now, if I'm the bills, I mean, Micah Hyde's not coming back. I think he's going to retire I think he knows that with that neck injury, he's gotten, he's had a nice career. I think he's done. But if I'm the Bills, there's no way I'm letting Poyer go. I know it's a $5 million savings. You can't move on from the, the best safety tandem you've ever had in the history of the franchise and move on from both of those guys the same year. You've got Poyer, the luxury to keep him, and you bring in somebody that he'll be able to play with and mentor and get him ready to go, whoever that's going to be, whether it's a cheaper free agent or – maybe even a draft pick. There are other ways you could save money on the salary cap. I think you got to bring Poyer back. Look, is he the same Jordan Poyer that he was even two years ago? No. I mean, he's definitely showing some age. But, Matt, you and I are at every game. We watch him. He's not a bad player, man. No. You can do way worse. I still think he's a top-10 safety. If mm-hmm. you looked, at, if you lined them all up, that guy is still, to me, a top-10 strong safety in the league. I would not move on. Taylor Rapp is a free agent. I wasn't overwhelmed by him. I liked that signing last year. I I wrote about it. I thought that was going to be a really nice – that's a guy you get on a one-year deal, a prove-it deal, and he could slide right in as the replacement for Micah Hyde if he played well. He he was kind of a so-so player, so I'm not sure it's worth, you know, looking back into that. But safety is also a place they might have to go in the draft too. Maybe that third round you find a college kid – I mean, you'd love to find someone like Kyle Hamilton, <laughs> even even half the player that Kyle Hamilton is. See if one of those guys is in the draft. But that's what I would do. I would keep Poyer, and then you figure out the other guy. Yeah, a bit of a drop off for Poyer last year. I also think that they were kind of messing around a little bit um, with you know what he what, who he was as a player. The role you know, he played. 
yeah, introducing the dime package and having him play a ton in the box. And actually, if you go by the pro football focus grades, he actually scored better in 23 than he did in 22. If you remember, he dealt with that elbow injury that entire yeah. season, which I think, you well, know, I, think he had like, I think he had four injuries in 22, right? He was right. always hurt. Right. Yeah. So he had so arguably he had a better season in 23. And to your point, it's just the money part of it that to me is, is so difficult. And I think what we've learned too, is like, you have to put all your resources around Josh Allen. I'm, I'm fully behind pivoting to that strategy because I just think like they're going to find draft picks that Sean McDermott is going to be able to plug in and maybe not as rookies, but I also like for all the good that that defense did down the stretch last season against Kansas city, they needed a stop and they gave up three straight touchdowns uh, with, you know, they were missing some guys. I mean, not having Bernard, not having Milano, there's always an excuse to be had, but I just think, all right, if you're better positioned to score more points, that's to me the way that I want to pivot. If I'm Brandon Bean going into this season. And that's why I, if it came down to it and I needed that 5 million, he, he's older and, and it's, it, it's different. And I think that they can find guys to play there as opposed to, you know, their inability to find guys at receiver the last couple of seasons, really going yeah, back I mean, to the John Brown I, I era. Can't, I can't argue that strategy. You're right. They need, they need to upgrade around Josh Allen for sure. I just think that moving on from those two safeties in the same year would really be a little bit dangerous. Cause you really, it, it'd be one thing if you had guys that you knew you could just plug right in. They don't. DeMar Hamlin is certainly not that guy. I think Cam Lewis is probably not coming back. He's a free agent. They don't have anybody. So I would you're gonna lose Micah Hyde. I would bite the bullet on Jordan Poyer, keep him here, and then you know, fill in behind him, find the guy who's gonna start. I think that's five million you gotta keep, Matt. I I just do. That's how I feel about that. Well, you're the the special guest. We're going with uh your final word on the topic. All right, last and certainly least. The, the specialists. Um, I, I hate talking about kickers and punters. I, I say <laughs> that on the show all the time. But, um, you know, Tyler Bass, real shaky last season. I mean, a drop-off in kick percentage. Um, a guy that I think was trending in a really reliable way just wasn't that down the stretch. Now, you know, my uncle, uh, I, I just saw him on Saturday night at a, at a family party. He he lives in Brockport. He is a religious reader of Sal Mayorana and the DNC. Um, and he brought up this point, and I don't know if you wrote about it or not, but about like the kicker and like if he makes that kick, it might not have been this point, it might have been something else. You know, at least give yourself a chance. And I and I was kind of arguing back. It's like, yeah, but I think you want to be in a spot where it's not coming down to a field goal because if you put if you give Patrick Mahomes that kind of life, and listen, they're a good team, they got a great defense, you're going to be in that spot a lot of times. You're lo- they make that field goal late in that Kansas City game. What's to say that Mahomes doesn't come right down the field and score a touchdown to win it late like he's done a million times? So it's important. I think they could probably upgrade a punter too. Uh, They're both under contract. You cannot move off of Tyler Bass. He's got basically a fully guaranteed deal next year. Nor do I think should they. I think there's room for a bounce back. He's shown enough over the course of his career. Um, But it's it's not a group at this stage where I'm I'm super bullish on, on what they have at kicker and punter right now. Yeah, I mean, to your point about the Chiefs game, you know, I, I sit next to you on the road sometimes, but Jay Skursky's my my neighbor for home games. As soon as they failed on the third down, I told Jay, I said, game's over. Because even if he made the kick, Mahomes had a minute and 50 and two timeouts or whatever it was, 
they were losing the game. So, yeah, he missed it, gave them no chance to win, but they weren't going to win that game. As soon as, that, as soon as they didn't score a touchdown, it was over. But as for Tyler Bass, look, he did not finish well. He was two for five in the playoffs. That was brutal. You know, that was – you can't have that from your kicker. But he's your kicker, Matt. You, like you said, his new deal, you can't cut the guy. There's just too much money to waste if you cut him. He's still a good kicker. He's been he's been very good, in fact. He had a rough finish. He's got to bounce back, plain and simple. And I think he will. I think he'll be fine. You go into the season, you're fine with him. As for Sam Martin, cut him. You don't need him. I mean, you save, I think it's like $1.2 million maybe mm-hmm. on the cap. If you cut him, you could find a punter in 50 different places. There's only, there's only 32 in the NFL. I guarantee you there's probably 100 out there who could punt in the NFL. Just go find one. Hey, maybe it's Matt Ariza for all we know. But you don't need Sam Martin. Move on from him. And Reed Ferguson's here for life. So you're fine there too. That would be a really interesting off-season storyline because uh, he's had a bunch of workouts – or not a bunch. He's had a couple, um, but nobody has bought a bit uh, at that Apple yet. But, again, it's a year-to-year league, and for a guy that punt the way that he did it in school, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on somebody's roster uh, come training camp. All right, yeah, so I mean, uh, he's, he's, he's cleared, right? I mean, it's it's you know it was an unfortunate thing, and he went through the ringer, but he has technically been cleared. So I think he will get an opportunity. Maybe it's Buffalo. Probably not in Buffalo, but I think he'll get an opportunity. All right. Let everybody know where they can get uh, anything you got coming up, what you're working on, what you're uh, – obviously, we talked about pinstripe people. Anything you want to plug here? Yeah. I mean, just democratandchronicle.com. I mean, you can read – I think most of my stuff is available now. They kind of make it free. It's not content – or not subscriber only. So it's all there. But, you know, I'm just one of, one of many guys pro- providing content, Matt. So – doesn't really matter. They'll find me eventually, but they're going to find everybody else too. So pinstripe people is what I want to plug. I want more people subscribed to that. So it's free. Do it. And I will entertain you. I promise. Yankees fans don't wait. Or if you're not a Yankees fan, you just want to keep tab on, tabs on the Yankees sign up to become a pinstripe person. Uh, okay. Find him. Uh, his link is over at uh, twitter.com. I'll actually put it in the show notes as well. Sal, thank you so much, buddy. I'll see you next week. Yes, I will see you next week, buddy. Transcript McDermott for me, okay? Since I'm not going to be there. I will. I'll be out, Bill. I'll do all 30 minutes of that bad boy. It'll be a great time.